Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast where we bring to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Martin. He is the founder of History Search and Convergate. Uh, he, it's, it's a platform that allows you to search essentially for web pages that you've been before uh, and just helps you keep track of everything that you've done in the past and really just makes it easy for you to find things. Um, so thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about the product itself? Well, we started developing history search around four years ago with a simple thought in mind. Like we're visiting thousands and thousands of web pages, some of us even weekly, most of us monthly, and almost all of us yearly. And the amount of data we're processing is just unimaginable. It's very hard to keep track of even trying to keep track of it with folders and subfolders and Trello boards, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And it's also quite normal that it doesn't work because we're not actually doing this on our own computer either. On your computer, it's like the file system that connects all the applications together. If you find a Photoshop file, you just double click it and it's opened in Photoshop. Uh -huh. On the web, it doesn't really work that way. On the web, each application like Google and every other application that you're using has its own, uh, let's say, database. So if you want to find something there, you're going to have to search everything separately. And most websites, as we know, don't have any archive at all. So it's just going to be you and your list of browser links yeah. and a wary title where you depend on the dev who it's given the site a good name or not. Mm -hmm. And we set out to solve that and really to build like the backbone. And like you can imagine that right now that the search is there, we're adding things such as collections and stuff like workspaces where you can like merge multiple websites into like virtually one website oh, uh, okay. where you can, for example, instantly open your phantom project workspace the, the next day when you continue work. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that we're working on is like in a very interesting way how people can like create collections that are shareable with other people. So it becomes like curated knowledge that you can share with people that you either work with or even publicly about mm -hmm. topics that uh, you're interested in. So then, and if I'm familiar correctly, there is a couple of different plans that people can use, right? There is a, a free plan um, and then you have a couple of other plans that are paid for. How did you come up with the right way to price the product? Oh, uh, I've got something interesting here for like early founders. Okay. Uh, actually, forget about the free version. Don't ever start. I'm never starting again with a free version again. Uh, it's funny because like naturally you think that uh, the free version, yeah, it's my new product, it's not really worth something yet, I'm going to start free and then add paid later. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is actually really bad for the validation of your idea because you, you're left in no man's land until you actually have people paying for, for something. Right. Um, so putting the price is, is really hard uh, and it's like constantly changing. So I think the, the best advice there would be for myself at least uh, is to start with the paid version and then the minimal viable paid version. So from the MVP is like the minimal viable paid version. Uh, that is required to actually get people uh, to pay for your product. And then from that point on, you start iterating and improving. And the reason for this is simple, because imagine if your product is super amazing and great, 
you can choose a strategy where you decide to make your product free. But one thing that a lot of people don't keep in mind is that even if you have this crazy boom of growth, because it's free, because that's why you want a free version, because you want no limitation in growth, really. Uh, although, one, when you're just starting or your first few years, you don't have these growth channels. And the second thing, what happens if you do get them? You're not even going to be able to afford a million user server bill anyway. Right. So that's that's actually a good point. I saw someone post in one of the Facebook groups uh, not too long ago, and they mentioned that they essentially, I forgot what the product was exactly, but they created the product. And he decided to, and this was after people told him not to do this, um, right? And so he decided to actually give out a free plan, a free product for um, 12 months. So essentially a free whole year. And you might be, you might've seen what I'm talking about. I'm not entirely sure, but he mentioned that, you know, he talked to multiple people and everyone told him, don't do that. It's just, it's going to be bad. You're not going to be able to find, you know, what you're looking for. And it's just too much time. It's 12 months. It's a lot of free time for, for people. Um, and essentially he came back and said, you know, this actually worked really well. I went, you know, against what everyone told me not to do. And I did it anyway, and it turned out to work really well. Um, so I guess, and it makes sense too, because I've, I've spoken about this in the past also, where you want to, you know, the product, it's, if you build a really good product and it's something that people are going to invest time into, it's going to be really hard to migrate to a different software that is similar for a, for a competitor, essentially, right? Once you've spent so much time on this one product and everything and all your systems and all your processes are invested in there because it takes time and effort also on top of also paying for a new product, even if it's, even if it's, you know, a cheaper product, you still have to migrate everything and, and pretty much restart the whole process again and, and learn how to use a new one where now they've been invested for 12 months. So if you suddenly charge them, I feel like it's not going to be that difficult to actually pay up. Well, I think it's a really interesting combination of the thing I learned and the thing that he discovered is I would definitely advise myself mostly and others, of course, that get, get rid of that free version in the beginning mm -hmm. and, for example, implement a very long trial like he did. Yeah. Uh, the reason why is because from what I noticed is that one of the hardest things with having a free uh, freemium model is the upselling. Uh, so luckily we were doing, it's going really well now, but it's like, it's been a lot of work because you have to think about countless stuff. You have to think about, okay, how am I going to communicate people the value to upgrade? One of our problems is actually that, uh, we allow people to search the most recent 3000 web pages for free. That's a lot. Uh, and, and, and it's quite a lot. And for other people, it's not enough. So yeah. people are like, oh, it's not enough. And other people are like, oh, it's more than enough. So they're not upgrading. Because like 3000 web pages for an average internet user is around two to four weeks, depending on how, how active they are. Mm -hmm. And um, most of the time, people need to find something they saw last week or the week before. So if that's the case, you don't need anything past 3000 ever anyway. Right. But that's why we're adding in new features that are only available, such as the collections. You can now make three collections and workspaces for free. And if you want more, and I'm actually seeing really good conversion on that. So that's maybe an interesting takeaway as well, is that don't be shy to make the core value of your product free. 
Okay. And then to make like little additional useful values paid. Mm -hmm. That makes complete sense. That converts actually really well. And then you don't lose people because they don't get the full flavor of what your (laughs) value proposition is. Yeah, that's great. That's really smart. Um, it's awesome that you're seeing that that higher conversion rate on the pretty much the upsell. Um, and let's let's backtrack a little bit to just learning a little bit more about yourself now. So um, I know you know you, you mentioned that you've been developing this for four years. So what was your what, what were you doing before you started history search, and and how did you essentially you know go into into knowing that this is what you wanted to do? Well. Uh, I didn't know beforehand that it was going to take four years. So that, <laughs> that, that, that's something that is like, a, that's an interesting thing that I always think about is like when I'm talking about like the password, it's like thinking, dude, if I'd known that it would have been this way, like four years from, from the point where I started, I might've chosen a different path, but not, nah, it's, it's a bit of a joke, but like it, I didn't never planned to really like uh, think that it would take that long to really make a good product. Mm-hmm. And obviously like uh, in, in the same time, I, I did several uh, other things uh, that were, for example, I, I work with uh, computing as well. So with more hardware related stuff uh, and, and we built several other products. Uh, but history research has been one of the products uh, that I've been working on for, for the past four years. And obviously we'd have to, uh, do other parts, which is an interesting thing, I think, for other entrepreneurs as well, is, like, make sure that you're in for it for a marathon, uh, because, like, obviously, four years, how are you going to pay your bills? And right. we have a team of three people. How are we going to pay three people for four years uh, and keep your girlfriend happy at the same time? <laughs> not going to work uh, yeah. without so, uh, other income sources. Uh-huh. So how did you do it? Because it is a long time to be working on something that it's still, I mean, you, you didn't know, right? If it was going to be worth it, those four, those, four, those, four year, those four years, you still didn't know if it was going to be something that was going to be, you know, worth your time. So it's really having that, it, it's, you have to have a lot of patience um, to, to create a product, knowing that it was taking you that long and knowing that there had to be bills that had to be paid um, and, and just, you know, people to, to make happy, like you said, like you're like maybe like it's like a joke, but it's true, right? Like there's people that you have to spend time with and, and keep your relationships and everything. And it's just it's something that I see in the entrepreneurial world a lot where you kind of seclude yourself and become some people call it lonely, but it's I, I don't think that's how it is essentially, but it is, you know, keeping more to yourself and actually focusing, which goes back to it's 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 just a type of mentality that people have. Um, in the entrepreneurial world, but it's also important to make sure that those people around you, um, you want to make sure those relationships are still being, you know, taken care of essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, it's like really like one word, it's, or well, it's actually two words, like the marathon mindset. I, I once ran a marathon uh, and this was a really interesting experience because I, I wasn't very well trained, but it was like purely on uh, like uh mental how I got through it was because like I ran like at a lower pace and I kept jogging and I just had one rule like I'm going to jog and each milestone like every kilometer I would have like a little celebration for myself mm-hmm. uh, like a, a mental one or like okay boom we did one instead yeah. of 
and I did this at three kilometers and then you still have like 39 kilometers to go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then you're like, and, and that worked amazingly. And I think that's really important when you're building a product. Like for example, what we did is at the same time, I actually expanded the team uh, and we started developing uh, a request that came in related to search, but for a much larger company, it, it was totally not related to history search, but they thought, oh, these guys, they're building something funny. And they, I ran into them. They say, well, can you build that for us? And then I was like, well, why not? And that's mm -hmm. one of the important things when you think of, okay, I'm going to build a product uh, in, in, in my attic, uh, then it's a different approach. But if you really want to build like a, like a business, that's also why we have like Convergate and history search. History search is our only product at the moment, but we do look at it as a company. And I think every company needs to have a way to make money. And if that is by selling uh, resources in the meantime, while you're building your own product, that, that's, that's good. Absolutely. That's great. And with that whole time passing by, what is something that you would have, and you kind of mentioned this already, but um, you also said it was a joke. So I want to ask again, what is something that you would do differently um, throughout the whole process? Knowing what you know uh, now. Well, the thing that I'm doing differently, like with new products that are currently in development, uh, is that I'm really like working through the minimal viable paid version. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking uh, a new product that I'm working on. It's very niche. It's like a content management system and it's like a website builder, but super simple. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing there is, is that we just decided to say, okay, no free version. We do have our free version strategy, freemium model strategy ready. Uh, but I've completely removed it and we're going to have a paid version only. And then possibly with a, uh, something like you uh, mentioned earlier with a very long trial. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why is because I think the most important thing that you need to know is that when the moment comes, is this person going to churn or is he going to pay? Uh -huh. And that you need to know ASAP because maybe you're developing some specific kind of feature that you find very cool. Uh, but if you see that after you've built it, no one is converting to paid users, um, then it's not really good. So, and that combines with the, another thing that I plan now since over the past year is I always plan my backlog in four uh, different uh, like components so you should look at it like a little japanese table you know one of them close to the floor you're going to turn that into a bar table but what happens if you overdevelop one of those feet you're going to have a table that's completely useless yeah so uh that's the thing you have to develop them on on all four uh, flanks so to say and those four flanks they are dynamic but they're like four metrics mm -hmm. and i've heard a lot of people talk about metrics and stuff and i think they're not used very practically it's always just like oh we're doing well or not well yeah uh, but like I'm really trying to divide now like even our entire backlog so the company backlog into the four metrics that are most important for us to give an example right now it's improving quality which simply means improving stuff we already ship it's really boring and it's not fun at all but it's very necessary Absolutely. the second one is increasing engagement increasing engagement is finding how can we uh, like uh, features that we can build to increase uh, the daily touch points with our software. Mm -hmm. Then the other one that we have is improving conversion. It simply means like, how are we going to make more money? Uh, and then finally we have uh, stuff that is related to 
uh, new features, uh, which we just experiment with. Okay. And you brought up a good point uh, with one of the first things that you said there, which was spending time creating a feature that eventually you don't know, right? If, if when the time comes, are they going to purchase um, or, or use it? So how are you going about creating new features inside of these platforms? Are you essentially asking, you know, your users what they want, or is it something that you kind of go internally and think, well, this would be a good idea. And that's when you kind of don't really understand or know if people will actually use it or not. Well, so personally, what I did, especially like the first time around with history search is, is I just spoke to, I, I, I would probably say more than a thousand people online. Mm -hmm. I, I used my Instagram to, uh, to like build up this following, but only from tech related people. And then when they would follow me, I would send them a direct message immediately because then it would not go to the spam box, but to their inbox, yeah. asking them to test out my product. And I did the same on Facebook and Facebook groups. And now we have like uh, a solid user base. And that's when it sort of becomes more uh, naturally because people reach out to you. They say, hey, I've got a new idea. and. There is there's quite a lot of those people out there. Also, I think people need to be very wary for this too, because uh, the, one of the things I've noticed, if it were up to uh, the users, the early users, uh, they would have placed us into uh, something they can frame in their current mind. And it's actually very dangerous for new products. Like you have an idea, you have a vision, but this vision is not, it's like an insecure vision, so to say. Yeah because it's not really fully developed yet. So if you're gonna like listen too much to people, to what they're directly saying, so if you listen to what they say instead of what they need, you're going to turn out to be something that they already have. So they would have probably tried to turn us into a Google, uh, Google Drive, or they would have forced us more into a pocket because that's the stuff you hear from people. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, but I would like to love, love to see stuff offline. Right. And then we could go and, and do that. Actually, we, we made a, a lot of mistakes. That's why his research took four years. And I wrote a pretty long article about this. Mm -hmm. Like prior to launching, like the week before we launched it on Product Hunt, I wrote this article and I wanted to do it before launching because yeah. it was really like I wanted to the, 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 the perspective to be fresh. And I, even, even if I read it back, I feel like the insecurity, you don't know what's hap how it's going to turn out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you've worked on it for a very long time. And one of the things what I described there as well is that we took an entirely different approach for one and a half year and it completely failed. It, it could have like 100% everything was just discarded. Mm -hmm. After one and a half years and investing a lot of time and money, uh, it, it was just not doable. Yeah, but you learned a lot. Then, yeah, we wanted to make it completely local. So we wanted history search to be like a local server on the client mm -hmm. uh, and we wanted everything to be local. So uh, that would mean that you could connect your browsers to the, to the, to the application, so to say, and that the data would be stored locally. Uh, but this brought too many complications with it. One, it was pretty hard to install and to manage. Uh, the second thing, updating was quite hard, not, not undoable, but it was quite hard. But most of all, which was like the, the biggest problem was the amount of space, the amount of storage this application and data would take up mm -hmm. on the user's uh, 
PC, so to say, because like a full text search engine is a really heavy application. Yeah. Like we have 64 gigabytes RAM running on a server and I think like 500 gigabytes index. Mm -hmm. So uh, on a server side, it's not a problem, but well, actually it is a problem, but we're dealing with it uh, and it's going quite well now. But I mean, on a client, it's just undoable and you would need people to reserve like two times the amount of hard disk space they would have for uh, Photoshop. Okay. And that's why that approach completely failed. And we, we tried and insisted on doing that. And then we're like, okay, it's not going to happen. So we're either going to give up or move it to the cloud. And then we developed a cloud solution, which brought other challenges such as, okay, how are we going to make sure that it's private? How are we going to make sure that people trust us? Uh -huh. Because one part is making sure that it is private and secure. And the other part, is then after you've done all that work to make sure that it is, that, that you have to get people to believe that you've actually done that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a, yeah. It's, a, it's difficult. It's, it's hard to get people to trust you, um, especially as a startup and a new company, especially with all the things that are going on at the moment with just breach of, of uh, privacy and all these things that are happening. So it's just, I mean, you could put whatever you want out there, but are you actually doing it? So it's, it's, you know, it's, there's always a fine line with that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't have a hard time believing that people would have a hard time um, trusting a company, but you, you brought up a good point And that was that you don't want to necessarily listen to, you know, people's opinions all the time or not, you know, for every single thing that they have to say. And I was actually listening to this earlier um, about the book, The Outliers and The Outsiders and um, how the, the eight best CEOs, usually they never heard anything from essentially the people that they, that would tell them, you know, do this or do that because they, they listened to the data and they looked at the numbers and that's how they made their decisions is based on those things. Um, and that's always how, you know, they were able to be where they're at. And it's not essentially, um, it's not SaaS companies, but I think when it gets to that level, it, it's something that can be applied to pretty much anything. Um, and Warren Buffett was one of them. So there's a lot of very, very good people in that list. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and essentially, if you try to give everything to people, then you have this bloated product um, and you become a people pleaser, which it's not necessarily something that you want to become. And uh, as far as, you know, what, what is one of the things that, or actually, you, you mentioned Product Hunt. So you launched on there. And how did that go? Well, first of all, I think the Product Hunt community is like an amazing community. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not only on Product Hunt. Like, it, it's, it's everywhere. Um, so I think if you're building a new product, uh, and you've been through this phase of beta users. So the misconception is that Product Hunt is a place to get beta users. Uh, I think it's like the stage after that. Uh, so the beta users, you can easily get through Facebook groups, through Instagram, through tweeting people, through emailing people and getting angry replies, but doesn't matter. Uh, you can use uh, LinkedIn uh, and, and obviously not on mass, mass email uh, because that doesn't work at all, but you can mass manually email people. So just send them personal stuff. And, and that's the best way to build that. And then product hunt is like, for us, it was really, really good. Although we uh, launched and um, on the launch day, we, we became second 
which obviously was a bummer, but it, it was still good. Uh, and then luckily, uh, and this was totally amazing, we, like, we got the Life Hack of the Year Award of 2018, mm -hmm. uh, which was like the, yeah, like the best life hack on Product Hunt of 2018, which was a really tight race with another product. But yeah, somehow it came out on top. And this was because of the people that I got to know through the Product Hunt community and so many of them voted and shared. And that's the most amazing thing about Product Hunt is that you can really find people if you're into new products, if you're building your own idea, et cetera, et cetera. You can find a lot of people that will you will be able to connect with in that community. Mm -hmm. So it's much more than like just the site. It's like everything around it. I probably like from the probably speak to 100 people a week. And at least 10 or 15 of them I got to know through Product Hunt or related awesome. to Product Hunt. That's great. And that's huge. Yeah, that's really cool. And as far as, uh, you know, the roadmap for history search, what is, what is the number one thing that yourself and the team are currently working on? So right now we're working on uh, one of the things is improving the quality. So that is like, yeah. Uh, optimizing left right I mean we support a lot of browsers so we're optimizing constantly there and besides that we're experiencing with new features we recently launched like the collections and workspaces and very soon you'll be able to create like shared collections so let's say you and I we have a common interest about JavaScript or about uh, marketing or whatever we could create a collection and share them and then whatever I add to it you get to see and whatever you add to it I get to see with the full text search and wow. the previous it's like mini Googles uh, but then curated with knowledge that's actually been seen by people in that collection that's really cool uh, yeah that one we want to build we want to build something like you know spotlight search uh, how you can spotlight search your computer where we're working on something that works a little bit like that in the browser. Mm -hmm. uh, and besides that, we're really heavily looking into something that we are constantly being worked against with by uh, larger sites, but we're looking at ways how to, uh, there, that's completely in beta, how to automatically uh, remove data of sites where you've not been for a very long time cool so it's going to be like more private browsing uh-huh that's really cool and uh as far as you know we're getting close here so one what is one piece of advice that you haven't mentioned yet because you mentioned don't start with the free product um start with the minimal viable product that is paid and aside from those and the marathon um mentality what is one thing that you would tell any individual that is starting um, a SaaS company or that is in the early stages of? Well, it's like, uh, let's think of an anecdote. It's like, it's like Lego. You have to just start with the blocks you have uh -huh. and, and don't think about, don't plan a drawing about how you're going to build a Lego castle without having the blocks. Mm -hmm. So what I think is super important, a part of any good strategy includes the very first step. And a lot of people ignore this by saying, uh, oh, we're going to raise funding. All right, fine. You're going to raise funding. If you know how to do that or you're going to be successful in that, that is fine. Uh, but a lot of people use that as a reason to not start. 
Oh. You do not have to raise funding. You do not have to do any of you can, of course, but you can start with the very first block because that's what a good strategy is. It, it starts from where you are exactly right now. And there is no gap between your end goal and where you are right now. There could be a lot of steps, but there is no, no gap. Mm -hmm. So fill that gap. That would be the advice and just start. Very cool. As far as growth so far, um, aside from product hunt launching, what has been the most successful? Um, well, the product on life hack was really good. And, uh, we, we launched a bit of a referral program, uh, which was kind of funny. We, we had a feature, which was like a dark theme. Uh, and then was like, like, yeah, come on, you can't really make the dark theme paid. So then we thought, okay, for our unlimited users, like our professional users, they're going to get it for free and other people can unlock it by inviting some of their friends. And that worked, works all right. I mean, like, that's the second thing, like with growth is like, people always expect growth to be like tens of thousands of yeah. stuff. And that if it's less than that, it's not worth it. Uh -huh. But that's not the truth. If you can build a feature that takes you like a week of work and can bring your growth from like, uh, let's say 30 to 50 people a day to 60 people a day, that's amazing. Mm -hmm that's worth more than one week of work. That's two weeks of work because that's like 11% growth. Yeah. And that's the, so those are the, the ways and, and like the, the, the real uh, like growth spurts they're from, uh, from these, the stuff, this stuff like the life hack awards uh, and we got some new stuff as well that, that really like peaks it out. And then you have to think about like one or 2000 or even 3000 people in one day that join. That's, uh, but that's that's very rare uh -huh. and and those those moments you'll have like one or two of them a year and and the second thing that i'm working on now is like obviously the collection sharing there is a reason for that it's related to growth mm -hmm. uh to the in, like the metric about growth uh is that if you have a collection and you want to share it with someone you don't want to copy paste him 50 links you just want to send him one uh, so that's where the collections come in. We're going to see how that goes. And actually I'm, I'm working on a, another product. I was working on it prior to this call, which is again, targeted at the product hunt community, mm -hmm. which is like a super easy way to like test your tagline, like creating a tagline is really hard and super yep. important and defines most of your success, uh, when it comes to advertising or product hunt. Uh -huh. And we built a tool that makes it super easy to survey that. And that's more or less going to be free. But what's going to happen is that tool is going to, I'm going to use that to promote history search. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. And, and that's the idea for, for us on, on like two levels. So one is like in the app and obviously this tagliner, it's what it's called. It's probably not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. but it's going to be good for one or two years as our product matures and our real growth channels, for example, like the collection sharing and this stuff develops further. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And, uh, and content, content as well. Like I wrote an article about uh, how to like launch your early idea to first revenue. Mm -hmm. and, and that got us a lot of still, gets us a lot like about product hunt because if you create content that people are going to return to and that's going to stay valuable uh that really does good as well obviously 
when you launch it the first day, it's going to be a lot of traffic. But after that, it's also going to get you like 10, 15% extra signups in the day. Yeah, content can be huge. I've seen it before where a company will come out with, for example, um, you know, there's a specific issue with an integration um, with one of my clients. And that piece of content, it's a blog post that just walks people on how to fix this issue. And that's one of their main um, channels or, or content pieces where they get like half of their traffic and it's insane. Um, and it's been on there for, for years. It's been, I think it's been out there since like 20, I want to say 2015 or 16. And it's still an issue that happens. So it's still driving tons of traffic to the website. Um, and it's one of the fastest ways to get people to actually sign up and convert into paying users because they need that product for it. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's super. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, as far as books and stuff, like actually, what's what's your uh, what's one of the SaaS companies that you look up to the most? Um, SaaS companies that I look up to the most. Well, I would say Intercom before they screwed me over with pricing. <laughs> so, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. That's funny. Um, and, uh, do you have any books that you would like to, um, tell people about that you've enjoyed and has helped you? Well, I, I think it would mainly come to stuff that is like related to mindset and, and emotionally, and how do you develop like uh, a source of awareness so that you realize when you're, for example, stressed, mm -hmm. uh, I think stress is a very good thing but it's a very bad thing if you don't realize that you are stressed. Yeah. Uh, so it's, 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 it's kind of a, it's like you being super angry and not knowing that you're angry. Yeah. Uh, and that's the danger of stress is that that can pile up for a long time. Uh, so that's one thing. And for example, I'm a big fan of uh, the book. It's called, this is more statistical. It's called thinking fast and slow by Daniel Kahneman. Okay. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, one of the my all-time favorites together with uh, books such as uh, Sapiens or Homo Deus from Yuval Noah Harari. Maybe you've heard of it? Uh-uh, I'm not familiar with that one. I don't think so. Uh, they're, they're super, super good books. Like okay. they're really interesting. They're not so much related to business, although I do think that philosophy is a Very. big part of why you do your business. So yeah. it's interesting to develop that. Absolutely. I've actually, I'm pretty sure I have the, the first book you mentioned, Think, Think Slow and Fast. Uh, I, From Daniel Kahneman, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have that on my Amazon uh, like cart right now. So I'm going to go check it out right after. <laughs> so that's awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, do you have any questions for me? Well, I would like to know about how long you've uh, been working with Phantom and what's like the, the bigger vision behind it. What's, where is it going to be two years from now? Okay. Phantom has been around, I want to say for about a year. Um, but we recently decided to niche down on SaaS companies because we worked with uh, quite a few in the past and we really enjoyed it. And that's essentially where we want to go. And I'm personally passionate and just pretty obsessed with SaaS companies and the whole, uh, I, I love entrepreneurship and it's something that is huge. I, I feel like, I mean, obviously entrepreneurship is huge with any business, but I think the, the atmosphere um, and you know, the, the type of people that are involved in this community, I, 
I just, I don't know. There's something about them that I really enjoy and like getting on here and speaking with people like yourself um, and just learning from you guys and everything that you guys do is awesome. Um, and I've actually got a couple of ideas for products too. So I'm thinking of like taking action on something. Um, so that's that. And as far as where I want this to go is I want to, to, you know, help the next intercom become the next intercom as far as growth and stuff like that. So it's really just helping these companies scale um, and get, you know, to, to where they all want to be essentially. And uh, I think that's, that's the short answer for you. <laughs> it's a, it's a very cool answer. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, thank you for being on here again. It was a pleasure having you and learning a little bit more about yourself, the company, uh, history search and, you know, the plans for the future, what happened in the past. And I had no idea you've been working on this for four years before you launched it. So that's awesome. I'm sure a lot more um, happened within that time from that we even talked about. So I'd love to hear more about that. Um, but thank you for being on here. It was a pleasure. And where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, just Martin for both and you'll find me. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you everyone for listening and watching. It's uh, always a pleasure being able to bring to you the stories and, and, and you know, experiences of the people that we have on the podcast. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook, just search Luis Camacho and you'll find me. Um, and I challenge every single one of you to go out and do something great, whether it is for yourself or for other people, just go out there and do something. And uh, thank you all for being on here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.